first journey part two of narrative of the operations and recent discoveries in egypt and nubia by giovanni belzoni this librivox recording is in the public domain first journey part two this particular mode of dancing i believe has never been described and all who see it properly must be excused from giving a faithful picture of it when the dancing was at an end a sort of play was performed the intent of which was to exhibit life and manners as we do in our theatres the subject represented an haji who wants to go to mecca and applies to a camel-driver to procure a camel for him the driver imposes on him by not letting him see the seller of the camel and putting a higher price on it than is really asked giving so much less to the seller than he received from the purchaser a camel is produced at last made up by two men covered with a cloth as if ready to depart for mecca the haji mounts on the camel but finds it so bad that he refuses to take it and demands his money back again a scuffle takes place when by chance the seller of the camel appears and finds that the camel in question is not that which he sold to the driver for the haji thus it turns out that the driver was not satisfied with imposing both on the buyer and seller in the price but had also kept the good camel for himself and produced a bad one to the haji in consequence he receives a good drubbing and runs off simple as this story appears yet it was so interesting to the audience that it seemed as if nothing could please them better as it taught them to be on their guard against dealers and camels and so forth this was the play and the afterpiece represented a european traveller who served as a sort of clown he is in the dress of a frank and on his travels comes to the house of an arab who though poor wishes to have the appearance of being rich accordingly he gives orders to his wife to kill a sheep immediately she pretends to obey but returns in a few minutes saying that the flock has strayed away and it would be the loss of too much time to fetch one the host then orders four fowls to be killed but these cannot be caught a third time he sends his wife for pigeons but the pigeons are all out of their holes and at last the traveller is treated only with sour milk and dura bread footnote dura is the common grain of egypt End note. the only provision in the house this finishes the play during my stay in subra a circumstance took place which i shall remember as long as i live and which showed me plainly the country i was in and the people i had to deal with some particular business calling me to cairo i was on my ass in one of the narrow streets where i met a loaded camel the space that remained between the camel and the wall was so little that i could scarcely pass and at that moment i was met by a benbashi a subaltern officer at the head of his men for the instant i was the only obstacle that prevented his proceeding on the road and i could neither retreat nor turn around to give him room to pass seeing it was a frank who stopped his way he gave me a violent blow on my stomach not being accustomed to put up with such salutations i returned the compliment with my whip across his naked shoulders instantly he took his pistol out of his belt i jumped off my ass he retired about two yards pulled the trigger fired at my head singed the hair near my right ear and killed one of his own soldiers who by this time had come behind me finding that he had missed his aim he took out a second pistol but his own soldiers assailed and disarmed him 
a great noise arose in the street and as it happened to be close to the seraglio in the Esbkaki, some of the guards ran up but on seeing what the matter was they interfered and stopped the bimbasi i thought my company was not wanted so i mounted my charger and rode off i went to mr bajo's and told him what had happened we repaired immediately to the citadel saw the bashaw and related the circumstance to him he was much concerned and wished to know where the soldier was but observed that it was too late that evening to have him taken up however he was apprehended the next day and i never heard or knew anything more about him such a lesson on the subject was not lost upon me and i took good care in future not to give the least opportunity of the kind to men of that description who can murder an european with as much indifference as they would kill an insect some little time after this another circumstance took place which i cannot omit relating a charming young lady about sixteen years of age daughter of the chevalier Berthe, now consul-general of sweden went out of her house in company with her mother sister and some other ladies to go to a bath they formed a cavalcade on asses as is the custom of the country and had not proceeded far from their door when they met a soldier a monster i should say who took a pistol from his belt and with the greatest coolness fired and killed the young lady she was one of the most amiable creatures both in her manners and person that ever lived and was most deservedly lamented by every one who knew her this is quite enough surely to invite young european ladies to that country i must say to the honour of mohammed ali that the monster was taken and executed but what satisfaction could this be to her afflicted parents about this time mr banks arrived in this country and proceeded almost immediately to mount sinai and thence to upper egypt but returned in three months and went to syria mr burckhardt had for a long time premeditated the removal of the colossal head or rather bust known by the name of young memnon to england and had often endeavoured to persuade the bashaw to send it as a present to the prince regent but as it must have appeared to a turk too trifling an article to send to so great a personage no steps were taken for this purpose mr burckhardt then proposed it to mr banks but the reason why this gentleman did not take it away i am not acquainted with by this time the water machine was finished and we waited the arrival of the bashaw from alexandria to give his opinion on the advantages which might be derived from introducing it into the country it was constructed on the principle of a crane with a walking wheel on which a single ox by its own weight alone could effect as much as four oxen employed in the machines of the country i accomplished this undertaking notwithstanding the various species of intrigue and difficulty which were incessantly thrown in my way the bashaw arrived at cairo but did not come to subra till some time later at this period mr salt the consul-general from england arrived in that capital having business to transact in cairo i had frequent interviews with mr burckhardt and knowing the wish he had for the removal of the colossal bust of memnon i repeatedly told him that i would undertake its conveyance from thebes to alexandria so that it might be sent to england on the arrival of mr salt mr burckhardt proposed it to him and shortly after having myself occasion to see that gentleman i repeated to him before mr burckhardt that i should be happy to undertake the removal of the bust without the smallest view of interest as it was to go to the british museum 
the consul seemed inclined to comply but was indecisive for some time saying he would think about it a few days after this he avoided all communication keeping himself in strict seclusion as the plague had begun to show itself in the streets of cairo the bashaw was now come to subra accompanied with several connoisseurs in hydraulics the machine was set to work and although constructed with bad wood and bad iron and erected by arabian carpenters and bricklayers it was a question whether it did not draw six or seven times as much water as the common machines the bashaw after long consideration gave his decision and declared that it drew up only four times as much it is to be observed that the water produced by this machine was measured by comparison with the water procured by six of their own and that at the time of measuring the arabs urged their animals at such a rate that they could not have continued their exertion above an hour and for the moment they produced nearly double the quantity of water that was usually obtained notwithstanding all this the calculation of the bashaw was to my satisfaction as it decided on the accomplishment of my undertaking still mohammed ali perceived plainly the prejudice among the arabs and some of the turks who were concerned in the cultivation of the land for instead of four hundred people and four hundred oxen they would have only to command one hundred of each which would make a considerable difference in their profits but as it happened an accident occurred that put an end to all their fears the bashaw took it into his head to have the oxen taken out of the wheel in order to see by way of frolic what effect the machine would have by putting fifteen men into it james the irish lad in my service entered along with them but no sooner had the wheel turned one round than they all jumped out leaving the lad alone in it the wheel of course overbalanced by the weight of the water turned back with such velocity that the catch was unable to stop it the lad was thrown out and in the fall broke one of his thighs i contrived to stop the wheel before it did further injury which might have been fatal to him the turks have a belief that when such accidents happen in the commencement of any new invention it is a bad omen in consequence of this exclusive of the prejudice against the machine itself the bashaw had been persuaded to abandon the affair it had been stated to him also that it cost as much as four of the usual machines in making while nothing was said of the advantages as to the oxen that would be saved in the working of it the business ended in this manner and all that was due to me from the bashaw was consigned to oblivion as well as the stipulation i had made with him it was with considerable pain to my feelings that i reflected on the idea of leaving a country which has ever been one of the principal points of research among the learned the fame of its antiquity excited in me the desire of investigation but under the circumstances i have mentioned my purse would not afford the expense of a journey to any great distance and having mrs belzoni with me it required some deliberation before i could decide whether i should proceed to the north or to the south i had been to visit the consul-general but nothing more was said respecting the colossal head so that the project of removing it seemed to have been forgotten after having taken all matters into consideration and made a proper calculation of the expenses i found that in an economical way i could make a voyage as far as assuan and back again 
from the circumstances that follow the reader will be able to form a proper idea of the motives by which i was induced to undertake the removal of the memnon bust which is now lodged in the british museum and for what purpose i made the researches and accumulated the various remains of antiquity which will find a place in this volume there will be no occasion for me to enter into such particulars as would call for the evidence of others to the facts as i am well assured that a simple statement of the case will make the reader perfectly acquainted with it it has been erroneously stated that i was regularly employed by mr salt the consul-general of his britannic majesty in egypt for the purpose of bringing the colossal bust from thebes to alexandria i positively deny that i was ever engaged by him in any shape whatever either by words or writing as i have proofs of the case being on the contrary when i ascended the nile the first and second time i had no other idea in my mind but that i was making researches for antiquities which were to be placed in the british museum and it is naturally to be supposed that i would not have made these excursions had i been previously aware that all i found was for the benefit of a gentleman whom i never had the pleasure to see before in my life but what has displeased me above all is that while occupied in my researches an advantage has been taken and a notion promulgated the very reverse of the real matter of fact and i am sorry i cannot be silent on the subject feeling it an indispensable duty to myself as well as to the public to bring the truth to light i am happy however to state that i succeeded in putting all the articles of my discovery on their way to the british museum though not in the same manner in which i thought they were to be entered in that place at first as was the case with the young memnon head the indecision whether i should go up or down the nile came at last to a point i know not what to call it whether curiosity or that enthusiasm for antiquities which i can trace from my younger days while in rome that spurred me on to decide to ascend the nile agreeably to the resolution i had taken i hired a boat at a very cheap rate with four sailors a boy and the rice or captain i made provision for the voyage and everything was ready for our departure any one may ascend the nile without being interrupted but it is better to obtain a firman from the bashaw in case of the want of protection from any of his bays kachifs or kaimakans in upper egypt and mohammed ali was always ready to give a firman to any one who asked for it i communicated my intended departure to mr burkhart who on hearing that nothing more was said about taking away the colossal head seemed to be quite disappointed being a native of that part of italy which had lately come under the austrian dominions i might have applied to the austrian consul to obtain a firman from the bashaw but as i enjoyed the british protection i applied to the british consul going to his house for the purpose i found mr burkhart there it seems he had persuaded the consul to avail himself of the opportunity of my ascending the nile by offering to pay half the expense accordingly when i informed the consul of my intended journey and that i came to request he would do me the favour to obtain a firman for me from the bashaw he expressed his joy by exclaiming this is a godsend indeed and i was then informed that they had made up their minds to have the colossus conveyed down the nile and to offer it as a present to the british museum if i would kindly undertake the removal of it 
i replied that my capacity was little but that i would use all my efforts to succeed in the enterprise adding that i should be happy at all times to increase the british museum with the product of my exertions to which the british consul answered and i shall be glad to do everything in my power to promote your wishes this was all that passed on either side as i was unacquainted with the upper country i received instructions concerning the manner in which i was to proceed to obtain information and to provide myself with implements for the purpose in view the instructions were as follows bulak june twenty eighth eighteen sixteen mr balzoni is requested to prepare the necessary implements at bulak for the purpose of raising the head of the statue of the younger memnon and carrying it down the nile he will proceed as speedily as circumstances will allow to sion there to deliver his letters prepared for that effect to ibrahim basha or whoever may be left in the charge of the government and he will at that place consult with dr scotto on the subject of his further proceedings he will take care to engage a proper boat for bringing down the head and will request mr scotto to provide him with a soldier to go up with him for the purpose of engaging the fellows to work whenever he may require their assistance as otherwise they are not likely to attend to mr belzoni's orders and he should on no account leave seo without an interpreter having obtained the necessary permission to hire workmen and so forth mr belzoni will proceed direct to thebes he will find the head referred to on the western side of the river opposite to karnak in the vicinity of a village called gornu lying on the southern side of a ruined temple called by the natives kosar el dekaki to the head is still attached a portion of the shoulders so that altogether it is of large dimensions and will be recognized first by the circumstance of its lying on its back with the face uppermost secondly by the face being quite perfect and very beautiful thirdly by its having on one of its shoulders a hole bored artificially supposed to have been made by the french for separating the fragment of the body and fourthly from its being a mixed blackish and reddish granite and covered with hieroglyphics on its shoulders it must not be mistaken for another lying in that neighbourhood which is much mutilated mr belzoni will spare no expense or trouble in getting it as speedily conveyed to the banks of the river as possible and he will if it be necessary let it wait there till the river shall have attained sufficient height before he attempts to get it into the boat but at the same time he is requested not to attempt removing it on any account if he should judge there would be any serious risk of either injuring the head of burying the face in the sand or of losing it in the nile if on arriving at the ground too he should perceive that his means are inadequate or that the difficulties of the undertaking from the nature of the ground or other causes are likely to prove insurmountable he will at once relinquish the enterprise and not enter into farther expense on that account mr belzoni will have the goodness to keep a separate account of the expenses incurred in this undertaking which as well as his other expenses will gladly be reimbursed as from the knowledge of mr belzoni's character it is competently believed they will be as reasonable as circumstances will allow 
the boat meant to carry the head should be hired for a sufficient time to allow of its being carried directly down to alexandria but on the way mr belzoni will not fail to stop at bulak for further instructions if mr belzoni should ascertain the certainty of his being able to accomplish his purpose he is requested immediately to dispatch an express with the gratifying intelligence to cairo henry salt i beg leave to observe that in the whole of these instructions though written in an assuming style not a word is said about any payment to myself which would certainly have been the case had i been employed in the way that has been represented everything was ready in the boat for our departure from bulak the whole of the implements for the operation consisted of a few poles and ropes of palm leaves no other implement being to be procured in the place at that time seeing i undertook the enterprise cheerfully the consul did me the honour to request something more which was to purchase whatever antiquities i could on the road i assented to his wishes and for this purpose he supplied me with money as well as for the removal of the colossal head on the thirtieth of june we left bulak and as mrs belzoni determined to accompany me we took with us the irish lad and a copt interpreter who had been in the french army the first ruins we arrived at were those of shak abade or the ancient antino for i omit the pyramids for the present not to depreciate the works of adrian these ruins did not surprise me at all there are few columns standing many are fallen and what are of granite were evidently taken from more ancient edifices i made a drawing of one of the standing columns merely to give an idea of the order and so forth see plate thirty two and we crossed the same day over to ashmonen here is the first egyptian architecture that travellers meet with on the nile above the pyramids and i must say that it has made a great impression on my mind though it is only a portico of two rows of columns the solitary place on which it stands in the midst of the ruins of hermopolis and the majestic appearance of the columns of a form so uncommon to a european cannot fail to inspire veneration for the people that erected such edifices it appears to me that these ruins are of remoter date than those of thebes which does not agree with the opinion that the temples in the lower thebes were of later date than those of upper egypt from what i have seen of the tombs in these mountains i am of opinion that hermopolis was inhabited by some great people as nothing can give juster ideas of the condition of the egyptians than the quality of the tombs in which they were buried on the fifth in the evening we arrived at manfalut where we met ibrahim bashaw of upper egypt son of mohammed ali on his way to cairo having presented my letters he politely requested that i would deliver them to the defterdar who was left in command at siout along with him was mr druetti the ex-consul-general of the late government of france he was on his return from thebes and had been in the habit of making a collection of antiquities during the many years he resided in egypt he was already informed that i had undertaken to remove the colossal bust and he told me the arabs would not work at thebes as he had occasion to try them 
he then made me a present of a granite cover of a sarcophagus which the arabs had discovered in one of the tombs he said that he had employed several of them for many days to take it out for himself but they could not succeed so that if i could take it out i was welcome to it i thanked him for his present and proceeded on my voyage on the sixth in the afternoon we arrived in siot the defterdar bay was not there but was expected in two or three days i waited upon the physician of ibrahim basha mr scotto to whom i was referred for information respecting boats carpenters and so forth this person had never seen mr salt by whom i was recommended to him he behaved however very well to mr banks as i have reason to believe when he passed that way and he did also to me but as to taking away the colossal bust after gradually introducing the matter he made many difficulties first about obtaining permission to have the necessary workmen then there were no boats to be had and next the bust was a mass of stone not worth the carriage at last he plainly recommended to me not to meddle in this business for i should meet with many disagreeable things and have many obstacles to encounter i saw that i could obtain but little help from this quarter so i procured all that i wanted by means of my interpreter and a few words of my own i provided myself with a greek carpenter who agreed to follow us to thebes and on the sixth day the bey arrived he received me very politely i presented the letter to him which mr salt had obtained from mahatmad ali himself and he furnished me with orders to the cacheff of the province of ermans to whom the fellahs of thebes are subject while waiting for the bey i visited the tombs of issus there are only two that are worth notice and these are so decayed inside that there is scarcely any remains of figures or painting all the rest are small holes for the lower class of people Ziot is the capital of sais or upper egypt there is a constant commerce kept up by the caravans from darfur negroes feathers elephants teeth and gum are the principal articles brought to market the viceroy of upper egypt is always the first to select what he pleases from the caravan for which he fixes his own price and pays what he likes the rest is for the merchants who dare not buy anything till the viceroy has made his choice this place is celebrated for the making of eunuchs as soon as the operation is performed the boys are buried in the ground all but the head and shoulders and many who are not of strong constitutions die with the excruciating pain it is calculated that the operation during its performance or afterwards proves fatal to two out of three besides the usual produce of the company wheat beans flax and seeds a great number of wax candles are made and it is from hence cairo is supplied with this article ibrahim bashaw has latterly been the terror of the people when an unfortunate culprit was brought before him after some few questions he sent him to the cadi to be judged footnote an arab sheik who often decides trifling cases End note. this was the signal for taking him to a particular cannon to the mouth of which he was tied and it was then fired off loaded with a ball so that the body was scattered about in pieces at a considerable distance in the case of two arabs who had killed a soldier not without provocation this bashaw had them fastened to a pole like two rabbits on a spit 
and roasted alive at a slow fire yet this man is now heir to the government of egypt on the death of mohammed ali on our proceeding up towards Aman, we saw the columns at gao which have since all fallen into the river one excepted i observed there the largest monolite i have seen anywhere it was near twelve feet high but of very rough workmanship the temple had been very extensive but the work not of the best sort next day the fifteenth we went to Amen to visit the fathers of that convent there is nothing interesting in the place except some stairs the only remains of the ancient temple one of the fathers told me that at some distance in the mountain there is a small lake which he had visited himself entirely surrounded by cassia trees among the rubbish in the town are found a few trifling antiquities but nothing of any consequence the fathers took me to see the kashef or governor of the place who hearing that i was in search of antiquities said that he well knew there were many in the town for the fellows had often told him so i inquired of him where they were oh but you cannot have them he replied they are all enchanted by the devil and no one can take them from where they are i told him if he would but tell me where they were i would arrange the business in the other quarter that is very well said he but no one here dares to tell you for fear the devil should do him a mischief he then informed me that in the mountains about six miles distant there was a large gold ring stuck into the rock which no one could take out that some of his soldiers went with a cannon and after firing several balls at it were returning without success when by chance a man who was eating a cucumber threw a part of it at the ring which immediately fell to the ground so that it must have been fixed by enchantment there and nothing but the rind of a cucumber could make it fall this i received from the governor of a province what sort of a country must that be which allows itself to be ruled by a man of so elevated a mind on the sixteenth we passed before mancia and arrived at georgia there we procured some provision and continued our journey it was from this place i visited arabat the ancient abitos two years after as i shall take a proper opportunity of relating near kosar al shajats there is a narrow passage of the nile particularly at low water the wind here was so strong that we made considerable way against the current even without sails or in nautical language scudding under bare poles on the eighteenth at night we arrived at dendera where we saw a phenomenon that i never before heard of a meteor appeared over our heads and took its course towards the south but so slowly that from the time of its setting off to that of its dispersion to the best of my reckoning it was visible for about twenty seconds it first appeared of a bluish colour then became white and lastly red leaving apparently many sparks on the way it had passed End of first journey part two